Welcome to New Piney Grove Baptist Church, where one of our core values is Christian education. Let's tune in to this week's message. And I thank God for my wife who did such a brilliant job in not fully disclosing all of me in her introduction. I thank her for that. Amen. She told you something. You said, we don't want to hear him preach. Not after that, but. We thank God for mercy. Amen. Amen. Thank God for all these senior saints. I'm not quite sure if I'm supposed to be wearing a green shirt or not. They didn't. Nobody told me. And just because I got a great beard, that don't mean I've joined the club yet. I don't know. I might supposed to be a member. I guess they'll, they'll let me know later on. But we are grateful to be here, and we want to call your attention to the Word of God, and we're not going to prolong the time. And uh, my wife shared with you that I love to sing, and I do love to sing. And uh, really, I want to sing, but the Holy Ghost said, just preach. Amen. So we're going to preach as the Spirit gives us utterance. Amen. And we're looking this morning at this... Uh, topic of uh, who's fighting your battles. Uh, and you'll find as we get into our lesson this morning that you're, you're going to know and understand that the one who you're leaning on and the one who you're trusting in is actually the one that you're depending on to fight your battles. All right. And I know a lot of us are here this morning. We're here in the house of God and many of us have been baptized and we said that we have been filled with the Holy Ghost. But somewhere along the way, we have changed our allegiance. Somewhere along the way, we have uh, uh, stopped trusting in the one that brought us. And for some of us, we are trusting in our bank account. Some of us, you may be trusting in your own intellect. And some of us may be trusting in our own physical physicality, our physical physique, uh, you may be entrusting in other folk, and, and I want you to know this morning, whoever you're trusting in is the one that you're depending on to fight your battles. And so the next question is, when you get into the battle, uh, will the one you're trusting in bring you through the battle? But I want to remind you this morning that if Jesus is the one fighting your battles, the songwriter said, that Jesus said that uh, if you lean on him, he won't let you fall. If you lean on him, he'll fight your battles. If you lean on Jesus, he'll make the crooked places straight. But the question is this morning, who are you leaning on? We find in our lesson this morning that Jehoshaphat, he had a, a father who was renowned, uh, King Asa. King Asa, he started out, he had great beginnings. The Bible lets us know in the earlier chapters that King Asa, he, he, he was faced with about a million man army. He had about a half a million man army. And the Bible talks about how Asa, he called on the name of the Lord. 
And the Bible said that King Asa had victory over uh, those of his enemies. But later on, about the 39th year of King Asa's reign, the Bible said he was faced with some more enemies. And King Asa, in all of his brilliance, the Bible says he went into the temple and he took the gold from the temple. And he paid off some, some folks to kind of league up with him to help him fight his battles. And the Bible says that after he had gotten through with that war, that the prophet came and said, is it wise for you to join league with those that don't like the Lord? For those that hate God? And what about us this morning? Have we joined league with some folk that don't, don't know anything about God? But because they won't, they have what we think that we want in our minds. We have joined league with them. And so we want what they got, so we joined up with them. They ain't studying God, but we want to be friends with them. The Bible says to be, to, to be friendship with the world is to be an enemy of God. Not only that, but we find that King Asa, in the 39th year of his reign, Jehoshaphat's father, the Bible says he was diseased in his feet. Anybody ever had the disease in your feet? Anybody ever had athlete's feet? Won't get into that, but uh, the Bible says that he, 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 he was so diseased in his feet and it got so bad that he, he didn't call upon God to, to heal him. And as a result of him putting his trust and reliance in the physicians, the Bible says that he slept with his fathers. Kind of indicating the, the, the reverse of that. Maybe he had he called on the Lord. Maybe had he trusted in the God that brought him. Maybe God would have delivered and healed him in his feet. But the Bible says that he trusted on the physicians to fight his battles for help. He trusted in the Syrians to help him fight his battles against the Ethiopians or his other enemies. But we find in our text this morning that Jehoshaphat, he comes to the throne. Jehoshaphat, he comes to the throne and he had a noble beginning. But unless we go too fast we, to, to kind of bring it on practically... Well, preacher, you, you're talking about the Old Testament. How does that fit in practically with what was going on in my life today? Well, C.S. Lewis tells us that there is no neutral ground in the universe. He says every square inch and every split second is either claimed by God or is counterclaimed by Satan. He says as we have been studying... In the book of Acts on Wednesdays, pastor continues to remind us that we are in a battle. He reminds us that we are in a war. He reminds us that what you're going through on your job, what you're going through in your home, what you're going through uh, on an everyday basis, it is all spiritually based. He reminds us that you have to look at things from a spiritual perspective. Yeah, I know, I know my, my child may be going through, through what, what they call terrible twos or uh, tenacious teens, teenage years, but, but you have to understand that there is a spirit behind the behavior. 
You have to understand that if, if, if a person had been born again, Pastor told us some months or some weeks ago that they are of their father, the devil, and his works they will do. What do you mean? You mean my little baby? You mean they're going to do something? If, he, if your little baby ain't born again? If your baby ain't born again, I don't care how old they are, how young they are. The Bible says folly is pinned up in the heart of a child. But the rod of correction will drive it far from them. So with that, with that divine intervention through what God enables you to do by bringing them up in love and admission of the Lord, that child will influence your decisions if you let the child. I got, I, I got to bring this up, y'all. I'm not going to. I'm not going to break anybody's anonymity. But do you know that your three-year-old can influence you to go against what your convictions tell you about the word of God? Because you're trying to please your three-year-old? Don't you know your 16-year-old? can influence you against your convictions and you'll let them do some stuff that will come back to haunt them later on in life all because you're trying to please a 16 year old that ain't in my notes but that's the hope the spirit led me to share and you have to understand my brothers and sisters that we are in a war and the weapons of our warfare, they are not carnal. But they are mighty through God in God to the pulling down of strongholds. And Paul said that we can cast down imaginations and any high thing that would try to exalt itself against the knowledge of God. And we can bring into captivity every thought and make that thought obey Jesus Christ. That means when those thoughts of immorality come in my mind. I can make that thought obey Christ. I can make that thought obey because that thought has to come under the submission of Jesus Christ. That thought has to come under what, what, the, what the word says. The Bible says that marriage is honorable and above all things and the marriage bed is undefiled. But fornicators and adulterers, God said he would judge. So I would not be judged by that. I'm coming under the authority of Jesus Christ. I don't have to give in to what those thoughts come into my mind saying. I'm, I'm controlled. I'm constrained by the love of God. I am kept by the power of God through faith under salvation. Anybody in here kept this morning? So we find then that we are in a war. We, we are in a battle. Well, preacher, you, you say that, but, but Paul, he, he, he reminds Timothy, a young pastor, he says, fight the good fight of faith. He tells Timothy, Timothy, you have to understand you're in a war too. Even though you may be a young pastor, you are still in a war. You may be in high school, you, you may be in elementary school, you may have gone off to college, but you are still in a war. And you need to have on the full armor of God that you'll be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. You got to put on the breastplate of righteousness. 
You got to have on the belt of truth. You, you got to have your shoes sharp with the preparation of the gospel of peace. And above all things, you got to take up the shield of faith. You got to walk by faith and not by sight. The Bible says the just shall live by faith. You got to have on the helmet of salvation. You got to take the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. It said, and praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit. Paul lets us know that when you pray, you give power to your shoes of peace. When you pray, you give power to the sword, which is the word of God. When you pray, you give power to the shield of faith. When you pray, you give power to the helmet of salvation. The reason we don't have power this morning, because we ain't praying like we ought to pray. I believe that the church would get back to praying. Lest I go a little bit too fast, I'm trying to I'm trying to slow down and keeping in time with my time. I told, I shared with my wife when I, when I was at Union Grove, we had Pastor Clark came in and, and Pastor Clark, it wasn't enough for Pastor Clark to preach for an hour and a half. And so when the associate ministers got up there, you know, we, we kind of followed suit. Then I got to New Piney Grove and my wife said, sweetheart, you, you ain't at Union Grove. <laughs> so I had to remember I ain't at Union Grove. I'm at... I'm at New Piney Grove, so if I go a little bit long, I'm having a Union Grove flashback. <laughs> no, no, I won't, I won't do that. I won't do that. So, so, so I, I believe earnestly that, that honestly, that, that if we realize that the battle that we're in, we, we have to understand that our battles, they don't belong to us. You'll find that our daily bread talked about in the book of Deuteronomy, for those that read it, it talked about how the children of Israel came to the land. And the Bible says in the, in, in, uh, in the passage of Scripture, in Deuteronomy said that God fought for them. All they had to do was go in and possess the land. That God would fight for them. And for us, you have to understand that there is nothing that we can do outside of the power of God that would enable us to win our battles. We find also as we get into our, our text this morning that uh, the psalmist said those uh, who, can, who can stand before the Lord are those who have clean hands and a pure heart, who has not lifted up his soul unto vanity. So you can't pray if you don't have, and, and for God to hear your prayers if you don't have clean hands. God is not going to hear your prayers if you don't have a pure heart. And if you're, if you're haughty and high-minded. Of the 27 rulers of Judah, Jehoshaphat, he was one of the few godly kings along with his father Asa and Joash and Hezekiah and Josiah. The one we are depending on and seeking after is actually an indicator of the one who was fighting our battles. Well, what, what does it mean then to depend and what does that look like? Well, in 2 Chronicles chapter 20, we find the text begins out and says, It happened after this, that the people of Moab with the people of Ammon and the others with them besides the Ammonites came to battle against Jehoshaphat. So what it mean? what it talks about after this? Well, what happened before this was, when you go back to chapter 17, verse 1, Jehoshaphat the son reigned in the place of Asa, and he strengthened himself against Israel. 
Not only did he strengthen himself against Israel, he placed troops in all the fortified cities of Judah. He set a garrison around the land of Judah and in the cities of Ephraim, which Esau, his father, had taken. It says in verse 3 of chapter 17, Now the Lord was with Jehoshaphat because he walked in the former ways of his father David, and he did not seek the Baals or the Baals. So he, he had a blessed beginning. It's one thing when, when you're first born again, you have a zeal for the Lord. You, you come to Bible study every time you're, you're slated to come. You, you, you even show up on Sunday morning just, just to hear the word of God. But then God began to bless your life and you, you get that promotion. You, 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 your children, they, they, they get a little older and, they, and they're able to go off to college and go off to the military. And things are, seem to be a little bit peaceful in the house. And you, and you, you begin to say within yourself, you know, uh, I don't think... Uh, it don't take all that, Kate. You know, when you first get born again, yeah, you need, you need the, the word of God. You, you need to get rooted and grounded. But, but once you're rooted and grounded, you, you don't have to come to Bible study. Matter of fact, you don't have to come on Sunday mornings. Pastor looking at me cross-eyed when I say that. But think about it. Our actions are an indicator of that philosophy. Jehoshaphat had blessed beginnings, but, but no sooner than he gets into his reign, notice what happens to Jehoshaphat. Jehoshaphat, he joins league with wicked Ahab. Y'all remember Ahab, don't you? He married old wicked Jezebel. Amen. Anybody in the name Jezebel? You ever thought about naming your daughter Jezebel? Probably not. Matter of fact, when I look down at Russell in the telephone book, I don't see many Jezebels. But Ahab, he joined, Jehoshaphat joined league with Ahab, and then they, they, they joined in, and they wanted to go to war against another, their enemies. And they go to war against the enemies. What's, what's so bad about it is Ahab, the, the enemies, they're really after nobody but, but uh, Ahab. Matter of fact, the scripture says, uh, told the king of the the enemy said when you when you go into battle don't look for nobody but eight, but the king of Israel don't worry about killing nobody but him so what Ahab does he said Jehoshaphat check this out we going into battle now I want you to wear your royal robes I'm gonna wear street clothes you know you 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 look good. In your, in your priestly garment. You, I mean, your, your kingly garment. You, 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 you the man. Go ahead and, and dress up, and we're going into battle. So they get into the battle, and, 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 and the enemies, they, they see the king, and they think it's Ahab because he got on his, his, his royal apparel. And they go to attack the king, and Jehoshaphat, he was surrounded by his enemies, and he cried out to the Lord. And the Lord called his enemies to be diverted. And they turned away from Jehoshaphat. Lest King Ahab thinking he's going to get away, the Bible says that a spearman took a spear and he shot it at random. Wasn't shooting at nobody in particular. And the spear ended up hitting King Ahab. And the Bible said by sundown he died. 
So what, what's the lesson in this? The Bible says, be not unequally yoked with unbelievers. What fellowship does light have with darkness? How can you join up with somebody who don't believe that Jesus is the only way, the truth, and the life? I see these signs on cars that say, got all the different religious symbols that says coexist. No, no, we can't coexist. If you say Allah is your God, we can't coexist. If you say Buddha is your God, we can't coexist. If you say Harry Krishna is your God, we can't coexist. The Bible said, thou shalt have no other God before me. Jesus said, I am the way. I am the truth. And I am the life. And no man can come to the Father but by me. Allah can't get me to God. Buddha can't get me to God. Jesus said, I am the way. We can't coexist because Jesus is the only one that can get me to the Father. So we find that even though Jehoshaphat, he had a blessed beginnings and even though he joins league with, with wicked Ahab, there was mercy in his mess. But we come to the point of our text in 2 Chronicles chapter 20. He is faced with another battle in, in verses uh, 1 through 3. He is faced with a battle from the Moabites, the Ammonites, and, and some other folk. And, and, and a, it says a, there's a great multitude in verse 2 coming against you from the, beyond the sea of Syria. And they are in Hazazon Tamar, which is in Gedi. He says, these folk are coming against you, Jehoshaphat. And notice his reaction before the battle. And you will find that when you get into the battle, your victory would depend on your reaction before the battle. Notice his reaction in verses 4. He said, so Judah gathered together. Now verse 3 rather. Verse 3 says, Jehoshaphat, he feared. It's when you're going against a fierce enemy, we naturally get afraid. When you get that report from the doctor, it's natural for us to be afraid. When you find out uh, some, some news, some disturbing news about your child that's off at Georgia Southern or uh, Albany State, Vedasta State or uh, Kennesaw State or wherever it is. When you get that disturbing news, it's, it's, it's natural to, to be afraid and, and your mind will play tricks on you. Your mind will tell you that, that things are doomed and, and, and there is no way for them to recover from whatever they're facing. But, but the Bible says, Jehoshaphat, it says, he set himself to seek the Lord and proclaim the fast throughout all Judah. Wait a minute, preacher. He was afraid, but the Bible says he set himself to seek the Lord and proclaim a fast throughout all Judah. That word seek in the Hebrew is darash. Darash means to seek a deity by prayer and worship. It means to seek a deity by, by prayer and worship. So Je Jehoshaphat, he, he began to pray and he began to worship. And he called a fast for the whole nation. Not just, just, just the king's court, but everybody fast. 
I wonder what would happen in the family of New Piney Grove. What would really happen and what, how would God respond? Talking to Miss Gladys and she was sharing with me how she ran into a young man who wanted him to pray for, pray for him. And she said she prayed for him right then and, and his condition, uh, he needed prayer. But uh, we got some other folk that are, that, are, that are battling various issues, you know, drug addiction, sexual immorality, sickness and cancer and all kinds of other enemies. I wonder what would happen if, if all y'all that came here this morning, if Pastor called, he sent out, told Miss Pat to send out an invitation, we're going to have a church-wide prayer and fast. And if all y'all that got an invitation came and we began to worship God and we began to pray as we fasted, I wonder what could happen in our homes. I wonder what could happen to marriages that's on the rocks. I wonder what could happen to, to children that seemingly gone astray. I wonder what could happen if we got together and began to call on the name of the Lord. I'm reminded, I think New Piney Grove invited me to come preach. When we was in the old sanctuary, I was not a member of New Piney Grove at the time. And I think Pastor was going through his bout with, with cancer. And I, I remember very vividly being standing in the mountain behind the, the sacred desk. And I remember seeing the, the, the Spirit of God revealed to me that folk, they had begun to earnestly pray. For Pastor Dave. Folk had begun to earnestly fast for Pastor Dave. And God began to show me that he was not through yet. God began to show me that if my people who are called by my name, if they will humble themselves and pray and seek my face, and if they will turn from their wicked ways, then I will heal from where I sit in heaven. Then I will heal this land. I will forgive their sin. But my people, they don't want to pray. My people, they don't want to fast. My people, they love pleasure more than they do me. They want to seek me for my hand. They don't want to seek me for who I am. When are we going to get back to praying? When are we going to get back to fasting? Calling on the Lord for our children. Our children need to be saved. Our wives and our husbands need to be delivered. Our neighbors need to be saved from the bondage of sexual immorality and sin. We have neighbors. We have co-workers. They are bound by the enemy. But what are we doing? We're talking about the game. We're talking about what happened in the NCAA. We're talking what happened in the NBA. But we ain't talking about Jesus. I know because I'm guilty too. I'm guilty too. I get in the office and I know folk ain't saved because they dressing up doors with Halloween. They got, got, they, they got a Halloween, in our office, they got a, a Halloween contest. Grown folk. Folk that go to church. Folk in leadership. Go dress up on Tuesday and have a contest. 
I sent out something about what it was all about and, and, and one of the co-workers came up to me and said, but, but you, you just spoiling our fun. It's all fun and game to one of your children to get demon possessed. It's all fun and game to one drop off because of the meth addiction. It's all fun and game until the opiates take over their minds. It's all fun and game then. You're going to mess up our fun. Who's fighting your battles? I got to hurry up. We find Jehoshaphat. He was a man of prayer. And he shows us his pattern for prayer. It is, it is similar to the prayer that Jesus taught his disciples. Matter of fact, look at, the, look at the text in verse 7. We see adoration. He praises God for who he is. He says, O Lord God of our fathers. He says, Are you not God of heaven? And do you not rule over the kingdoms of the nations? And in your hands is there not power and might? So that no one is able to withstand you. He goes on to give him, he goes on to acknowledgement. In verse 7 he says, Are you not our God who drove out the inhabitants of this land before, you, before your people Israel? And gave it to the descendants of Abraham your friend forever? And then there's adulation, there's respect for, for his name. Look at, look at verse 8 he says, And that dwell in it. He says, and have built a sanctuary in it for your name, saying, if disaster comes upon this, uh, us with sword, judgment, pestilence, famine. He says, we will stand before this temple and in your presence for your name is in this temple and cry out to you in our affliction and you will hear and save. He's calling on the name of God. He's acknowledging who God is. He's that God, you the one that brought us over here. God, you the one that gave me these children. God, you're the one that put me in this position. God, you're the one that opened this door for me to pastor these people. And God, you see that some of them are stiff-necked and some of them are hard-headed. But God, you're the one that put me here. God, you're the only one that's able to keep me here. God, you got to give me strength to stay here. Because God, if the truth be told, I want to leave this place. But God, I'm trusting in you. Look at verse 10. We see accusations against God. He says, and now here are the people of Ammon, Moab, and Moxia, whom you would not let Israel invade. God, you wouldn't let us invade them when they came out of the land of Egypt. But then now the, the very ones that you allowed us to spare, they'll turn against us. They've turned from them and now and to, they want to destroy us because you didn't let us destroy them. Look at verse 11. He says, they, here they are rewarding us by coming to throw us out of your possession which you've given us. To inherit it. You will notice that everything is about God. Everything is about what God has done. Everything is to the sovereignty and the providence of who God is. 
struggles. Yeah, you may be going through right now, but you, as we were talking about this morning, you have to realize that it's by God's sovereign hand, his providential hand, that you may be going through this morning. You may be in, in, in a battle with sickness. You, you may be in a battle because you, you, you got demoted on your job. You, you may be in a battle because you lost your job. But you have to realize that if you're a child of God, God sees everything. And it all got to be sifted through his hands. He's allowed you to go through what you're going through in order that he might take you to where he's taking you. But in the midst of the battle, we have to realize that we have a resource in the battle. Look at verse 17. Verse 17 says, you will need not to fight in this battle. Position yourself. Stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. Notice what it says. Who is with you, O Judah and Jerusalem? Do not fear or be dismayed. Tomorrow go out against them. For the Lord is with you. In case you didn't hear it the first time, Judah, the Lord is with you. But you see, our problem is we don't know if the Lord is with us. How do you know? All the way back in chapter 15, his daddy was given a prophecy. And his, his daddy was told in verse, verse 2 of, of 15, it says, And he went out to meet Asa after Asa had come, come back. And he said, Hear me, Asa, and all Judah and Benjamin. The Lord is with you while you are with him. If you seek him, he will be found by you. But if you forsake him, he will forsake you. Well, preacher, that's, that was talking to Asa. That ain't talking to me. I'm, I'm a New Testament believer. Well, James says, if you draw nigh to me, I'll draw nigh to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your heart. Peter says that the eyes of the Lord are upon the righteous, and his ear is open to their cry. But the face of the Lord is against those that do evil. What are you doing on a daily basis? What is your lifestyle like on a daily basis? How are you living on a daily basis? What is your character on a daily basis? Do you have integrity on your job on a daily basis? Do you have fidelity in your home on a daily basis? Can you stand before your children on a daily basis and they see the truth of Jesus being lived out in you? When you mess up in your family, are you able to come to your child and tell them, I'm sorry I messed up this time. But if you will pray together, well, I'll get it right next time. you got to be truthful. And God wants truth in the inward parts. So we find we have a resource in the battle. And then once we go to battle and God is with us, then we see the response also in the battle in verse 20. In 23, it says, so they rose early in the morning. They've gotten instructions now on what to do. And they went out to the wilderness of Tekoa. And as they went out, Jehoshaphat stood and said, Hear me, O Judah, you inhabitants of Jerusalem. Believe in the Lord your God. And you shall be established. Believe his prophets. And you shall prosper. And verse 21, And when he had counseled with the people. But notice this, case. He appointed those who should sing to the Lord. He didn't get everybody to sing. Right. 
I won't bother that. I'm going to leave that for Kay to deal with. <laughs> and who should praise the beauty of holiness as they went out before the army and they were saying, Praise the Lord for his mercy endures forever. Praise the Lord for his mercy endures forever. Now when they began to sing, so we see the response in the battle. Look at verse 22, what happens when you praise the Lord in the beauty of holiness. When you give the battle over to him. When the battle becomes the Lord and not mine. Verse 22 said, now when they began to sing and to praise, the Lord set ambush against the people of Ammon and Moab and Mount Seir, who had come against Judah, and they were defeated. They were defeated. All they had to do was take their position, stand fast and see the salvation of the Lord. Paul says, you just got to put on the armor. He said, having done all to stand, Paul says, stand. Stand for holiness. Stand for righteousness. And be kind among those that shall reign with him one day. You got to stand when, when all that's around you is falling. You, you got to stand for righteousness. So we see once they, God had given them the victory, the enemies turned on themselves and killed each other. They went out and saw everybody was dead. And it was so much booty, said it took them three days to gather up all the booty. In the midst, in the valley of Baraka, they said, in the midst of your valley, God can bless you. So finally we see, verse 26 and 27, we see the rejoice after the battle. Verse 26 says, and on the fourth day, as they assembled in the valley of Baraka, Baraka for there they, they blessed the Lord. Therefore the name of the place was called the Valley of Baraka until this day, which means blessings. Verse 27, then they returned every man unto Judah and Jerusalem with Jehoshaphat in the front of them to go back to Jerusalem with joy. For, God, for the Lord had made them to do what? Rejoice over their enemies. Rejoice over their enemies. Son went off to college at Georgia Southern. And uh, some of you may have heard part of the testimony. And, and, and when I went off to college at Payne, and I went buck wild. And it's funny now, but it, it wasn't funny then. And I ended up be, becoming addicted to crack cocaine. Eventually, seven years in my marriage, bound by drugs and alcohol. Beautiful wife, young son, bound by drugs and alcohol. My wife went to the folk at Union Grove, to the women there, and she, they began to pray. Not only did she pray, but I had a praying mother and grandparents. Not only them, but there's some other folk that began to pray. And in the fullness of time, God delivered me. And so what the enemy was telling me, when, you, when your son go off, he going to go through the same thing you did. The only difference is he ain't going to come out. And the enemy was beating up my mind. And I, 
And I began to share with him, son, you need to, you need to find a church home. And he, he, wouldn't, he didn't find a church home, Brother Grant. And, and he would come home and he would go, go to church at Union Grove every, about once a month or once every two months or whatever. And I would always, well, you got a church home. He didn't have a church home. Went off. God opened the door and gave him a job in, in Illinois. I said, you got a church home? You got a church home? No, I don't have a church home. And he finally got a, ch- a church home and he began to go to church. And we went to visit and we noticed that the, that the church that he was in, it was a small church. And, and they were teaching in the word and whatnot, but but he I, I could tell that he wasn't he wasn't he wasn't plugged into the body of Christ. And then one day I I, I got a call from him and he said, I, I found this church and 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 and, and God is beginning to do something in my heart. I, I began to see a change in him and in, in his spirituality. I began to see him and hear him talk about the things of God. I begin to see and hear him talking about Jesus. I begin to hear him see him praying. I begin to hear him praying and he began to pray and call on the name of the Lord for himself. That was a time of rejoicing for me because what the enemy had put in my mind. And for some of you mothers and fathers, the enemy is trying to tell you that your children are going to be ate up by the world. But I would encourage you to continue to pray and fast for your child. Pray and fast for your grandchildren. Pray and fast for all of your folk. And as I, as I prepare to close, the, the story is told of a pastor in southeast Alabama by the name of Rich Hagins. And it's written in a book called Worship and Praise by Robert Coleman. And, in the, and the, the story says that Rich Rich Hagins, this pastor in southeast Alabama, he began to recognize that a large number of suicides, they were demonically influenced, they were demonically led. So he organized a praise and worship service to, con- to confront the cults and the Satan worshipers in that town. They met, met them in the graveyard at midnight on Halloween. And Rich and his congregation, they simply sang songs, in hymns of praise, they said that the enemy was struck down. Those who came out to taunt and jeer, they were transfixed as they saw Rich and his team praising and worshiping God. As they began to sing songs, I don't know what the song they sang. They may have been singing a song like we sang that, that the Lord is good and his mercy endured forever. Oh, give thanks unto the Lord for he is good. I don't know whatever they sang, but, but the book goes on to say that the suicide stopped that very night. As we stand to our feet, the suicide stopped. That very night. Well, preacher, it's hard for me to rejoice with what I'm going through. Well, you must don't know what I know. I know that over 2,000 years ago, Jesus Christ, the righteous Lamb of God, he walked the Via Della Rosa to give me the victory. They stretched him wide. They hung him high. They pierced my Savior in his side. He hung his head in the locks of his shoulders, and for me and you, he died. And the Bible says he didn't stay in that borrowed grave, but early resurrection morning. The Bible says he got up with all power in his hands. 
And if he got all, with all power in his hand, that means I got the victory in every one of my battles. Because I'm going to be still and let Jesus fight my battles. This morning, you might, you might need him this morning. No, matter of fact, it ain't no might need him. If you don't have him, you need him. So we're going to extend an invitation to discipleship for you. The Bible said, Jesus said that no man can come to me except the Father who sent me draw him. And Jesus said, I will raise him up at the last day. Jesus said in that same chapter, he says, I say unto you that no man can come unto me except or unless it was appointed to him by my Father. That word draw means there was an, there was an inward pulling. So this morning, if there was an inward pulling within you by the Holy Spirit, he's trying to draw you to the Savior. He's trying to draw you because the Bible says that God is not willing that it should perish, but that all might come to repentance. Why don't you come this morning? Thanks for listening. We pray that you have been blessed by the message. Visit us on the web at npgbc.org for contact information, service times, or directions to our place of worship.